Hello, everyone, and welcome to Bookends with Friends. This is your co-host, Parker Moon. I'm a crawdad, but I can't sing. It's Brett Irvin. This is your co-host, Daniel Phillips. And we are a weekly book club podcast where we go over one book a month and talk about everything books and books related. Uh, how are you guys doing? Doing good, my beautiful baby boy. Excited to talk about this book. Yeah, it's a book week. It's a book week. So so this month's book was Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. And we have come. It's that time again. It, it is that time again where we come together to do what this book club podcast is all about and to talk about intellectual a book. conversation about books, a meeting of the minds, if you will, wow. about about a book. Just um, a clash. Yeah. So before we get into that, would do you guys want to have some short stories and catch up? I got a short story for you. Um, I'm reading Codex Alera book two, almost done with it. Uh, the Jim oh, Butcher series. That's pretty much it, because this is the third podcast episode this week. We're kind of we're kind of filling up the episodes a little bit for Parker, because he's about to leave us forever. Summer vacation and all. Um, how are you liking Codex Alera? It is good. The first book, okay. Uh-huh. Second book, better. And I've only heard it gets better and better from there. There's some things in it that I'm not, like, super fond of. Like, uh, quick Codex Alera review. The first book was kind of like... I don't know, just trying to phrase it in not a bad way, but like... Because we have a friend who really loves this series, so you're trying to tiptoe no, around saying there, that you hate There's it. some things with the writing that I did not super jive with, and I can't tell if that's the author or if that's part of the world building, and I'll leave oh, it at okay. that for uh, now. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, no, I know, okay. I, you I probably know exactly, know exactly what I... It's it's fantasy written by a male author, so right, you yes. take it's it the, for it's what the you built will. In, It's the misogyny that you're like, is this is this world building or is this misogyny? Just misogyny, just straight misogyny like, for no other very reason. Very poorly veiled, like author just writing in their own misogyny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I hear you. Um, okay, well, cool. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Great, um, great news great news uh a shining review for that series brett what's what do you have going on pal um not a whole lot i uh did have a interesting encounter the other day um I dare say the it grocery was, store it was not at Publix this time um i was out walking around my apartment complex as i mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. and Getting your hot I, girl walks in <laughs> exactly exactly um and i came around a corner and saw three people just you know sitting by there's like garages around the out exterior of the complex like you know you can rent a garage with your apartment there are three people sitting next to a garage in like folding chairs okay. and the first time i walked by him i do a loop so the first time i walked by him they just have fishing poles and it looks like they're getting ready to go fishing. So they're like stringing them and doing whatever fishing. Pe- I'm not a fishing person. I don't <laughs> you know, know. You're stringing them up. Yeah, yeah. 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 They were doing stuff with fishing equipment that I assume was preparation. Okay. I was giving them the benefit of the doubt. Okay. So it takes me about 15 to 20 minutes to do a loop around my complex. So okay. the next time I come around, a little different. A little different story is unfolding, um, and I can't really give them the benefit of the doubt anymore because as I walk by, they are all sitting in lawn chairs in the grass fishing 
in the parking lot. No. No. They're, you're lying. They are throwing, like, I saw one of them cast. They're casting into parking spaces in the parking lot. And you're like reeling it in. I don't. So they're just practicing casting. Yeah, you know, you know, this is this brings up a good point, Dan. I like to. I don't know anything about fishing. Do you think that fishermen do they practice? Do they like go outside and just practice I mean, casting? Probably? Golfers do that, right? Not with not fishing, but golfers practice swinging. Yeah. Do people just go out and practice casting? Okay, probably. So it's wild. It's wild for me to say because it's. I should not be the one here with the most experience with fishing, but I've done a decent bit of fishing in life. And I've never known. I mean, I think it's a requirement if you grew up in Alabama. <laughs> yeah. I've never known someone to just go out in their yard and practice. I mean, ponds are pretty big and lakes are pretty big. Right. You don't really need to practice. Right. And there's also a pond on property that yeah. you could go to. And practice. At, I think which, they were just having fun. Maybe they're showing off like the the action of the reel. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe they fishing. just got some new rods, and they were like, "Dude, check out my new rod." And they, but they didn't want to commit to actually fishing. But he wanted to show off to his friends his new rod and how good his new rod does. Right. So he was flink, flapping around his new rod to show. So, him. so that's kind of. I was just like, "Yeah, they're probably practicing." But then one of them like stood up to get a better angle on the real in i guess and i was like you know who am i to judge you know they could be having the best time ever they could have the greatest imagination of all time or they could just be you know practicing so but just i just laughed to myself it really sunk in when i saw him stand up and start like get a better angle on his real in okay get some more leverage so now now new theory new theory i want to posit to you um larping is a thing Maybe we were witness. Maybe you were witnessing a new Barping? version of live action role play. Um, Fish which, action role play. Yeah, where pe- I mean, maybe it's just a very niche thing. Right. They went onto Craigslist and said, "Looking for LARPer friends, but strictly for fake fishing." And you know what? I think that's great if that's the case. I, uh, I mean, they had a cooler out there. It looked like they were having a great time. I almost wanted to join them, but I didn't want to get like, you know, hooked in the lip and, you know, I, what if I just went over there and been like pretended to be a fish? And, I, like, I really around? wish you would have. I, re- I honestly, you should have asked them at least what was going on. Like, Hey, Hey fellas, what you got, what you got going on over here? You know, give them, give them the old, uh, you, you should know, have just, asked if they've caught anything. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> any, yeah. That's, Hit them with that's a quick fish, dad joke. Yeah, exactly. Like any good catches of the day. Yeah. Anything biting? Yeah. Dang. Next time. I remember where it was. I'll keep an eye out. Um, but yeah, so I just thought that was a uh, quite an interesting uh, interaction. I, I Immediately I said, this is going on the podcast next episode. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that. Uh, well, I, I finished uh, where the coffee, before the coffee gets cold, not where the coffee gets cold. That's Where the crawdads get coffee. Yes, where the crawdads get coffee. Uh, before the coffee gets cold, um, Dan, you already talked about this book some on the podcast. Yes. Uh, it was great. It was cute. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. It's a very short book, and um, it's been a good reading month, I feel like. I've already gotten four books down, and I'm about to go travel, so maybe, who knows, maybe I squeak in another book or two before the end of the month. Crank it up, yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, 
so that I mean that's pretty much it. I don't want to I don't want to take too much time in short stories because I'm really excited to talk about this. Yeah, book. let's move on. Move on to the quote of the week, our segment where we talk about quote of the week from listeners. But since it's a book month, uh, all of these are from where the crawdads sing. Yes. So uh, thank you, Dan. Um, yes, uh, for quote of the weeks for book weeks. Uh, just for future reference, listeners, if you want to partake on a book week, submit the quote. Um, that pertains to that book, for instance, and this week it's all where the crowd had sing. Very good. Um, so I brought one of my favorite quotes from the book, and then I remembered that quote King Zach emailed us last week with his quote disputed. from where the crowd had sing. Yeah, disputed quote. Yeah, King Zach. highly disputed. There's a lot of uh, you know, in the chats, in the discords, and the. Uh, right. And the, the online space, the Reddits, yeah. <laughs> well, I went to go get his, and I realized that he brought the same exact quote, so I'm going to just give this one to Zach and say that he brought it and that I didn't bring it. But it is, there are some who can live without wild things and some who cannot, which is, I feel like, a huge theme of this book. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. That's a good one for sure. Which characters do you guys think cannot live without wild things? It's hard. It was hard for me to decipher of um, the stupid <laughs> <laughs> okay brett go with i'm your gonna quote. go next um i brought two uh the first that's one that's kind of cheating zach's out here busting his ass every week to try to get his quotes picked and you just come in with two i'm stacking the deck um my first one is why should the injured the still bleeding the still bleeding bear the onus of forgiveness question mark and that's mm. kaya in thought <laughs> um, i i loved that i love yeah, that quote that one hit really hard because it's uh at a really um it kind of at that point the reader is kind of like you know unsure of whether she should accept this person back i was at that part and um i think that just like hit home really hard um and the second one is uh during the trial spoilers um and it's we called her the marsh girl now scientific institutions recognize her as the marsh expert which i thought was just like a like a like pump your fist in the air like hell yeah kaya moment like she's like put some respect on her name kind of thing um, yeah so i just really love that part i love that that's beautiful um, the, the quote I brought was when she's learning to read, um, it's when Tate's teaching her to read and it is, uh, quote, she could read anything now, he said. And once you can read anything, you can learn everything. Um, and I, I really like that cause I feel like that's a very pivotal turning point in the book. Um, and it also, and we'll get into this, but it also shows how deeply intelligent Kaya is. Just naturally, uh, to, yeah. To be, yeah, right, naturally. To be able to learn to read, one, just at a very rapid pace, but then from that, um, like, consume consume books, hard yeah. books, and turn them into, like, real-life applicable knowledge. She basically learned how to read from another 14-year-old kid, and I can't imagine Right, and then taught that. herself, like, critical thinking and everything <laughs> else that goes along with it. So right. um, that's that's why I brought that quote. So... Where where we feel what what are we feeling, fellas, for quote of the week? What are we what are we and the listeners going to live by this week from where the crawdads sing? Well, I'm no marsh expert, and I don't think I can live by that. I would probably pick Parker's. I like yeah, Parker's I like a that. lot. I like that. I mean, I'm I'm biased, but I think Parker's like beats ass. I think it's great. 
that I guy think, brought a really good quote. I think Parker's a piece of garbage, and I don't want to vote for his anymore. Oh, <laughs> quick turnaround. Now it's my turn. Um, yeah, we can we can go with Parker since he's pushing it so hard. He really wants this one, guys. Okay. I mean, you both said it. Parker we'll give him it. one quote of the week, I guess. Parker um, wins it. Quote of the week. Bada bing, bada boom. Sweet. Um, thanks, guys. Let's talk about great. this. Wow, book. that feels fantastic. Man, I can't imagine not getting quote of the week. <laughs> Jesus. Like over and over and over on a weekly basis. Oh boy! All right, let's yeah, talk I'm glad about we this haven't book. done that to anyone. I know, me too. Okay, let's let's talk about where the crawdads sing. I'm so excited to talk about this book. So uh, I want to. Uh, Do you guys read it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh no, I forgot. Shoot, I forgot. Yeah, I want to kind of talk about before we get into all these discussions. This is my second time reading this book. Um, first time for for both of you guys, and so. A lot of these questions, I'm more interested on what you guys thought about it than what like I took away from them because I took away some like extra things, I think, just knowing sure. where the story goes. Sure. So I want to hear more so what did you guys think of the book? Because it has been one of my favorites over the past few years. Um, yes. So I absolutely adored it. And I'm actually glad that you, Dan, brought this because I do have some like kind of weird thoughts, some some random thoughts. So just bear with me. Um, because these might not actually pertain to like deep discussion, Yeah. but, um, one bird people are just good people. And I think Kaya said something along the lines of this early in the book, but people who like birds, they're good people. Yeah. That's, that's, I I love that. And, um, so that, that was a thought. Um, another thought is why couldn't they just have given Kaya a friend, a single friend? Come on. One friend, just a just a friend. That's all. That's all it could I have wanted. Been, it could have been an animal friend. Ever, I know, I know, right? <laughs> give her, give her a cat. Like they talked about the skunk. Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, and then also, and then also, this this one is like maybe kind of a critique, and then maybe also something that I just kept thinking was very weird. But like, what was it with Kaya, and and maybe more so, what was it with the rest of this town that was like so over the top just like horny for kaya you know like what everyone was like she's a looker she's so hot the marsh girl and it's like it's like yes like i get that and like for the narrative purposes i get what they were doing but like there there was so much of that like every boy that met her was like i gotta gotta bed the marsh girl and like no one was like the same mentality as like the Tiger King documentary with all those people being obsessed with like tigers they weren't allowed to have. And she's like this like myth almost. But so they never it. they never once really addressed the fact that she probably ha- is a little stinky and probably has a little bre- like some bad breath. You know, it's like everyone. Everyone was always just like Kaya such a looker. Wow. Those legs like all this other stuff. And no one no one once was like. She probably she probably just a little stinky. I bet everyone was stinky in the fifties. That's true. Everyone was probably a little stinky in the fifties. Yeah. Brett, do you have any opening thoughts? Yes. Um, I think the thing I was most uh obsessed with with this book was the naturalism in it. As like Parker just mentioned, the, the the birding and stuff. Just every um every description of every animal, every piece of grass, every tree, just it was so the the picture was painted so perfectly, which she's is a naturalist herself. So like writing this book 
was you know open season on just building a beautiful uh backdrop and obviously yeah, it's the very marshes, poetic yeah which goes along with so many other themes within the book but it's just so it was just wonderful um but yeah the Parker's first point about just giving her a friend like it was so like your heart is ripped out so many times in a row yeah. it's not even that Kaya doesn't have friends she has people actively not be right exactly actively (laughs) bullied the entire book and like shunned the entire book she kind of i don't know i don't know i would say jumpin's a friend but there there were gleams of hope there were instances of kindness but like someone to be persistently a friend or a just like a, a a buddy you know like that's i think the thing that was missing i think the closest she had obviously was jody but like when she was six and then not for two decades after <laughs> yeah. that. So I, I think um, I think it, it's it's meant to speak to how incredible Kaya is, like knowing all that. And by the end of the book, she still has so much like love in her heart. Like after someone after going through all of that, she still manages to open up Um at the, at the end, which is just at the very, I was kind of like, yeah, I don't blame you if you tell, like, if you live the rest of your life on your own, like, it will break my heart that you're gonna be without, you know, much human contact. But I was almost like, like, I understand if you make yeah. that decision. Oh, you're not yeah. like, oh, Kaya, come on. You're like, oh, no, Kaya, I get it. Like, but she, that just shows how incredible she is when, yeah, everyone's like actively working against her. Right. Um, my I quick opening thought for me on the book is anytime I push this book on someone that hasn't read it, it's basically like reading two books. And in, in my opinion, like the, the first half is a kind of coming of age, almost like orphan story with Kaya. And then the second half is that like mystery thriller kind of like courtroom drama that I, yeah, for sure. I'm all for. And so that's kind of just all I have to say. I just love the pacing of the book a lot. I, well, so I was going to ask about that because so it, it in the second half really picked up for me in the first half, I I almost wanted one or two more chapters of the dual perspective from the, the, cops, the cops or the like future mm, side of things yeah. Yeah. because I would get so engrossed and enthralled and like just in the story of what was going on with little Kaya and Trying to piece it together. It, well, it, but like, not even that. I would almost forget about the the murder and everything right. because there was. It felt like there was so much time in between. It almost um, felt like that's the point, though. It kind of yeah, like takes yeah, I think you away right. from the murder to and lets you really sympathize and empathize deeply with the scenario before getting right. more into like the trial side of things. Right. Um. I I honestly wanted more of um. I think the only thing I really wanted more of was more jumping in in Mabel, just because those the parts of them were so special. Yeah, of absolutely. them being you know parental figures for her and taking care of her simply out of the kindness of their heart. One the time period, like obviously it was still like segregation was in full swing, so it was like they had enough to worry about in their own lives, and they went out of their way to take care of this Marsh girl, which was just unbelievable like showcase of love on their part one of my favorite parts in the book is uh jumping like buying the fish from kaya with him very much being like these are not gonna sell like this is pointless 
but right. he's still like going through with it. Um, so that I want to, I want to ask, uh, this, this is in our show notes and I think it's a funny question, um, because I know my answer, but do you, how do y'all think you would have fared in Kaya's shoes as a, as a six year old in the marsh alone? Would you have stayed and would you have been able to make out a similar situation? The thing is, I, I think I would have stayed, but I probably would have just, I would probably would have gotten taken by the social services and just like stayed in school. Just oh, because, yeah, like, yeah. I would have just, like, given up because I could not have survived how she did. It, I know, like, she grew up in it and she learned, but I don't know. I guess me me as me being thrown into that situation, I don't, I don't oh, think yeah. I could have. Me as me would be dead within a week. Yeah. Like, even even 28-year-old, right. like, full-on now with all of, believe it or not, with all of the skills that I've acquired throughout my entire <laughs> life, would, I would be dead within, style. within two days. Two days. I, I would have... You have a particular set of skills. Just a very like particular Neeson, set of skills. But it's not survival in a marsh. No, it's it's barely survival at all with all of the cushy technology yeah. and electricity that we have now you could make some mean cups of tea out there in the marsh though wow, how good. with what leaves i would i would boil poison ivy and die oh that's a good point you would have drank poison <laughs> ivy <laughs> immediately i almost think six-year-old me would do better in a marsh setting than 27 year old me because 27 year old me is i'm i'm cushy and i'm soft six-year-old me was just like a wild boy was like, literally was literally Kaya. So what happened was, is you got snatched out of the wild. Yeah, and they oh, domesticated that's you. That's so true. Yeah. But I guarantee you were six foot two when you were six. <laughs> so no one would have questioned you at the Piggly Wiggly. I didn't wear shoes from the age like four to thirteen. <laughs> You're not joking, are you? No, God, no, not at all. God, that's so I never wore shoes. And also. Your life, oh boy! <laughs> and man, every time I find out a new story of Dan's childhood, hmm, makes you think. Uh, I'm so glad you are how you are now. Thank you. Um, but I think six year old me would have done better. Not good, not great, but it would have done better than twenty seven year old me. Yeah, for sure. Well, and so real thought in in the uh, like one of the the overall themes of the book was isolation, right? And like. Truth be told, and I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but like I in particular feel like I'm like very bad at being isolated. Like I I am fine en- enough with um like small bouts of independence or being yeah. alone, but at my core, I need other people to thrive. And so reading this, reading this character, there's so much admiration for Kaya especially this young Kaya with like me knowing like I could have, I couldn't, I wouldn't have been able to manage even just like the psychological aspect of the isolation that she went through, let alone the physical, which is an entirely different story. Right. I think the big point of that for Kaya is like, she's like the wild thing, right? It to her as the character, it's almost not isolation because she would rather be where she is than with people. Like not not all the time. Obviously, she's lonely throughout the yeah. whole book. But yeah, I, I'd say. I mean, I, I I definitely agree with you. But I think that the you know there there is a 
theme through the book that shows like she's drawn to people and like every time she gets even the slightest bit of human interaction it's like a refilling of life to her Mm -hmm. that she didn't even know that she was missing right um it's in the quiet moments that she realizes that she actually does require human contact even though she hates it and she would much prefer her contact with the goals and the creatures and the marsh itself Mm. Did reading this book convict y'all at all in the sense of like, oh man, I am so integrated fully with technology and I have not touched grass in too long. Like not re- not really. You're not connected with nature in such a long time. Did y'all also feel that way? Yeah, I haven't. S- I-, I see grass all the time. I <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I see it. I haven't I touched s- grass with, with my hands or my feet <laughs> in a very long time. <laughs> I haven't gone on a nature walk in a, in too long, and that's what I, I I took away from this book because I need to go, I need to go on a nature walk. I do feel better because I I'm now seeing that I've done more nature than you guys have, which is nice. To be I mean, I go on I go on walks most days, but it's around an apartment complex, so I wouldn't call it nature exactly. Nicole and I did a few hikes last year. I went camping kind of recently. Yeah, that's outside. Dan so wins. you're you're a regular marsh boy, is what what, what we're hearing. Absolutely not. I hate camping. <laughs> okay, well, well, to move us along, let's. Uh, I feel like we we we've beat around the bush with uh, the the young, you know, part one of the story. Let's get to the trial. Yeah, dude. Uh, let's get to the meat of the story. The first point I want to bring. We don't even have to discuss this, but what the hell is with these cops? And actually being like dedicated to figuring out the mystery of this because I've watched a lot of forensic files and I know for a fact, I know a hundred percent like to my core in my bones, in my bones that if this is a real story, the cops would have looked at it, been like, huh, no, no prints, no tracks, nothing, huh, fibers. All right, case closed. This I, was an act, like, n- nothing to see here. The guests will never figure this out. End of story. Especially without, like, f- like nowadays future forensics. There is no way they would have Hercule Perrault this to find <laughs> so, Kaya. There was, maybe I'm thinking of something else, but I thought there was a chapter in the book with the cops where they're basically, like, there's pretty much, like, negative evidence at this crime scene, which says that, something happened yes yes that was i mean that that's the line that i'm thinking of and i'm like yeah i'm like you guys are trying harder than any cops i've ever seen on any (laughs) like tv show or heard of in any pot like true crime podcast it's always like it could be like the husband was holding the murder weapon and they're like hmm i don't know we got to take this one to court and and really it's up in the air like you know what i'm talking about like i feel like it it just blew me away at their diligence I is think, what I'm saying. I think it's also isolation and boredom because they don't <laughs> get a lot to do in their small town. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's kind of like the the Stranger Things vibe too where like the entire town is like rallying behind right. this case. And so they're not – they got to be like – Shoot, we gotta stay on this because like yeah, I, did, I mean there was us. there was definitely those vibes where like the the town was almost solving the case right. more than they were, um, and it's probably a commentary on the fact that it was the popular white quarterback in town. Yes, oh certainly, that certainly. was like a yeah, the so, catalyst for this massive mystery right, for exactly. sure. Let's let's get into Chase. Okay, do do we talk enough about Tate? 
Can we, we need we to circle back. Tate at okay. all. I don't think we've said Tate's name. Let's circle back and talk about Tate. We talked about Tate with her, him teaching her how to read a little bit. Yeah. Do do we want to discuss Tate before we want to discuss? Yeah. Sure Chase? Let's talk Tate. This is Tate talk. This is Tate talk, a segment of our podcast where we talk all things Tate. Um. <laughs> well, so I want to hear y'all's thoughts, but I want to bring to the table that I don't. I. I was pretty disappointed with Tate as Ooh, a character. Yeah. In, in the sense of like. Like even at the, by the end. Well, I still have some problems with him. Not, not that, you know, not to say that it, it couldn't be justified. Right. And, um, I, you know, there was some stuff that he did that of course I thought was great and he really showed some maturing, but young Tate in particular, oh, yeah. I was furious at for, for a magnitude of reasons. Namely, I would have adored it if they would have only stayed friends. Right. Because until they he came out- back from college. Or whatever. Or, or even just like early on, it started out with him, you know, do like doing these nice acts, like giving her presents, teaching yeah. her how to read. And then it also paralleled this thing of him being like, oh, I lost my young sister. And remember, Kaya is four years younger than him. It was him. very uncomfortable in that and, section. And I know, like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, I guess you could make the case of like, it was the 50s and like a four year age gap isn't that much. Di- whatever you want to say. But like. There, there was too much of me in that that was just like screaming at the book, being like, "Don't, don't do anything sexual here. Yeah. Like, don't make this a sexual thing. Uh, like, just be her friend." And because, like, it, I, don't, I don't know. I, and then, of course, like him leaving, I just, I just felt this like frustration with the character to the point of like I was fully ready to write off Tate in the same way that Ooh, Kyle same. was, and just like. If you're gonna, if you're going to commit to a deeper relationship with someone who's been through all of this right. trauma of being left, you better fucking stay. And <laughs> like, I was, I was, guy, I'm still yeah. fuming about it, as you can tell. I was so mad at that, uh, those chapters. I, that's, that's Tate's story, though. Right? I know, I know, I know, like, I know that's his the arc. point. The point arc. of him is to Tate is, you know, a, a boy in real society in the city with Kaya being the exact opposite of that. And so like as a whatever 19 year old who like is from small town to get opportunities elsewhere, that's his whole like dilemma. Right. And I I agree with you like, Hey, can you just stay? But as a reader from being like seeing Kaya's perspective, everything, it doesn't feel good. It's right, like, exactly. And I, I fully understand his arc, but I also fully would have understood if Kaya would have been like, hey, kick rocks, like, I'm, oh, yeah, you, yeah. you don't I deserve fine me. And, and there's a part of me that's still, like, frustrated because to some degree, like, he was her only lifeline to society, right? So, like, even when he came back, and I know he was, he was a different man when he came back, and he was a good guy, and I guess maybe I need to... Maybe there's some stuff I need to work out um, <laughs> with, with the ideas of forgiveness and what have you. But boy, howdy, I was frustrated with I'll young say, Tate. I, I have never, I don't like love triangles and things. They didn't really do it super hard in this book, but I'm not a love triangle guy. I don't want it. I am. I, I am. I'm, fi- I'm fine with love triangle as a narrative device, which I know some people are definitely not. Um, but I just, it, it's, I, mm. I, I I don't know, and I, I don't want to. I'm probably going a little too hard on Tate, right? I understand. I understand the narrative device and his arc, but I did want to voice my frustrations before we get out of Tate talk and into Chase talk 
and into the trial and to chase chat. I completely agree chat. just because um, it, it's, it's frustrating to watch from Kai's perspective. And then it, the, the, when it hits you, it was so such like a dagger to the heart because she goes, Oh yeah, he didn't, you know, he never came back. And then, then it's like, oh, a year later, and then it says, and then another year pass, and you're yeah, like, yeah, holy, yeah. <laughs> are you kidding me, Tate? Like, you piece of garbage. And that's why I had said to you guys at one point, um, in this, in my defense, this was, we, I had just met Chase, and I didn't know anything about him. <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I said to you guys, is this going to be like a... Uh, a team Edward team. Yeah, team yeah, Edward yeah, team t- Jacob situation. And you guys <laughs> nope, both nope. looked at me and you're like, no. Because this is right when Tate had done all this stuff. And I was like, screw Tate, man. Like, he sucks. And then yeah. Chase, you know, not knowing anything about him, I was like, and knowing that the murder was a thing, I was like, so is this something where Chase turns out to be like a, a jock who's like secretly a good guy and then Tate kills him or something like that? Because so I was like, yeah. I was like, where is this going? I quickly obviously changed my thinking on that. But at yeah. the time I was like, Tate is garbage. But yeah, so Well yeah, and we can we can move out of Tate talking in the Chase chat. Um if y'all like Dan, do you have any more thoughts on Tate No, talk I was gonna say we... the same thing. So Tate's gone and then we get the boy savior Chase, the hero of the story comes in. This doofus. This <laughs> wet blanket of a human being, an absolute buffoon. Chase is a very one-dimensional character (laughs) and i don't think he does much in the story than just kind of be chase andrews right he's he serves he serves the narrative function of exactly what every teenage quarterback shitty boy (laughs) like misogynistic ladies man character he he immediately gives he almost immediately gives ick yes anything any hope you may have had for this character yeah is out the window this guy is a horrible person yeah i'm glad he's dead that's kind of what i mean by he's like the one he is very just one dimensional i think that's the point but like there's not much to say about at least from my opinion like he just comes in and he's the mystery of the book, right? Like what happened to this kid? Right. But this there's guy's no dead. like right. backstory to like um, make you understand him more. There's there's seems seemingly like nothing under like under the you know, floorboard of Chase. I kind Andrews. of I kind of do I kind of do love that and appreciate that because like Chase Chase does serve a narrative purpose in the in the in the grand scheme of things for Kaya. In the sense of, um, I feel like that is a very real thing where someone who is in isolation or someone who is alone then can be met by someone who does the bare minimum, right? Right. Like is putting in the lowest amount of effort, but out of such, like you have such blinders on just to try to connect, just to try to find, because you you can even see that in their, um, their interactions, right? Where like, she would say like, oh, Chase doesn't care about the marsh or like he, he you know, there, there was obvious things where he didn't connect with her on on poetry or, or whatever it was. And she would she would look past that eagerly just because he's have, contact. Right. Just to have a connection with anyone. A warm because he's a warm body, basically. Right. And they did they did do that. Um, You know, there was 
early on when he was introduced, he did that thing that's a very real thing with like um, manipulators. guys like that, manipulators, right, where they will um, take their time and be mm-hmm. patient to gain control of the situation, to manipulate until they convince the person that they are quote unquote safe and then you know and and, and i don't know i mean yeah i mean dan you said it there's not much about chase andrews uh except for the the fact that he sucks (laughs) he's bad (laughs) yeah and so uh eventually the two stories that we've mentioned the two dueling timelines kind of intersect um and they kind of cross over a little bit for uh like you know a quarter of the book but it they uh, intersect at the trial of Chase's murder. He was supposedly pushed off of the fire tower, and uh, Kaya is suspect number one, and she is on trial. And so, what are you guys' thoughts on that section? Um, thoughts on Tom Milton, her lawyer? Uh, my one of my favorite things looking back on it was the duality of it her knowing what you know once you know that she in fact is the one that killed chase yeah um but at the time you're like hoping for innocence you're thinking like did tate do this to jump and do this did he actually just fall um but looking back on her reactions to certain stuff it kind of like puts it in some stuff into perspective knowing that she actually did do it and she may have been dealing with not just being on trial, but knowing that she did it and trying not to get caught. So first off, I eat this stuff up. I love courtroom dramas. I need to yeah. read more books on courtroom dramas. They did it Second, really well. Oh yeah, I think they did it great. Secondly, can you edit in the Among Us uh, noise when you said suspect a minute ago? That would be really <laughs> funny to me. I'll, um, I'll do my best. Third, I So this is this is the main thing that I wanted to talk about as a second, as a reread for this book. Because I saw you put this question up, and even on the reread, Kaya just plays this whole thing just, like, so cold. She's a smooth operator, She is so smooth with it the entire time. We're, like, on a reread, I'm like, dang, did Kaya do this? (laughs) Because, like... (laughs) Because it's just good. Like, Like, she's so meticulous with every answer and meticulous with all of just the planning and the buildup for how this court scene plays out that I I think that I I don't think Tom suspected her. I don't think anyone suspected her. I don't think she had any help. I think she just did it in, in this, in the movie, if they don't do an oceans 11 style, a uh, smash like cut recap. of yeah. how they pulled off the job. I'm going to be really upset because that's what I did in my head once oh, for they sure. describe it. I was <laughs> oh, like, yeah. I was like, it shows like her like tracing out, and obviously they give hints throughout the book of right. her knowing currents and all that kind of stuff and phases the moon and everything. But if they don't do like a smash cut of like her like putting on the disguise to sneak out of the like he, she sneaks out of the hotel room when the guy's busy and just putting the whole thing together. I'm just my, that's. My favorite like trickery and all of that is the two separate disguises for the bus routes. Right, exactly. She uses two different disguises to like throw off whoever is driving the bus at like exactly. three o'clock in the morning or whatever it's it genius. was. So my my only thought in it was like, do you think 
obviously she was resourceful enough at that point to get all that stuff on her own. Do you think jumping helped her? I don't think so. Okay. I don't I had, think I, I had a thought where I was like, man, yeah. I know he, he's like a father figure to her and he loves her. And you know, obviously based on his reaction when she tells him, I was like, I, I was kind of waiting for them to be like, you know, like hint that jumping had helped her get some of the stuff. I just like Kaya being who she is as a character. I don't think she would want to Agreed. one bring Agreed anyone into this. Yeah. Or one needs anyone to be brought into this. Oh yeah. She's yep. fully. Yeah. Make that clear. She's fully capable on, yeah. her, on her own to do all of that. As she's I proven. do think to your point, Brett, I think that jumping Jody, um, uh, though you know there was a list of people who would have i think knowingly mm-hmm. helped her if they knew you know even if they knew up front because yeah. of the situation the circumstance yeah um but no i agree with dan i think that i think that kaya is just and you know she's she's amazing and she I, she pulled it off and i do love the the witness that like got gaslit at the end of the book because he was like, I saw Kaya in her boat right after this dude died. And they yeah. were like, it was dark. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. You could have seen anyone. <laughs> well, that's what it, it makes like the other captain comes in and is like, yeah, I don't know about that. And it completely throws it off. So I was like, yeah. I feel like, is this like a uh, um, murder on the Orient Express where everybody helped Everyone push him off the Oh my shot. God. <laughs> Everybody had a hand in it. Like the cashier lady at Piggly Wiggly who was a witness. Like everybody had a. They I was all killed Chase that. Andrews. You know, so uh, I think one of the most the the most genius parts about the the book and the courtroom section of it in general was the fact that it put the reader in the seat of one of the jurors, jurors. right? Because yeah. it it really made you cross examine your own biases of like, okay. I've read this from Kaya's perspective, but the book does not tell you anything. No. Even with like the dialogue, it's very careful to make sure outside of like the foreshadowing small things in the, the you know, first half of the book, um, uh, you know, possibilities. But it, it is very careful to make sure that it does not tell you if she was guilty or innocent. And I found myself flipping the entire trial of like, oh, I feel like she definitely did it. Like my, my, you know, my thought on whether it was justified never never changed, right? I, I think it was a completely justified action. Um, and we can get into that in a little bit. But I did go back and forth. Um, and to the point of Tom was such a good lawyer that at the end, I was convinced for some reason, I was like, I've solved the case. I was convinced that it was actually Chase Andrews's wife uh, who Pearls. had... Pearls. Well... Yes, because I felt like she, you know, she would have had reason to kill him and taken the necklace. And then once they explained that, like, the marsh could have just wiped away the prince because of how the tides came in and everything, I was like, oh, I think she did it and got lucky. And then the story was going to go a different route and it would be like the wrong, the, the wrongful imprisonment of Kaya for yep. the crime of another. Um, and I was pleasantly surprised when that was subverted. Because uh, I feel like I've heard that story before, right. but uh, I, I did just think it was genius um, that you didn't know. Um, and, and and maybe, you know, I'm going to hit you all the question. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here. Um, 
But I have some thoughts on this. I want to know y'all's thoughts. Do you like that it was actually revealed in the end? I do. Oh, I, I, that's an interesting question. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, I've never thought about it not being revealed and up to like reader speculation. But I do almost for the sake of me not having to have the art, like the inception argument with people around me. Yeah, I like yeah, that yeah. it was revealed. <laughs> I think I think based on my reaction of being I literally texted you guys right after I finished it and I was like, hell yeah, Kaya, like good for you. Like, yeah. I think I'm glad that I found out. It's just like she said, it's it's just nature, you know, I, I preferred the reveal over how it could have been like Kaya didn't reveal it. Right. She didn't come out right, to right, Tate right. and be like, man, I, I did that. I killed that dude. It was a very like, cool way to do it. She just. It was behind her, a part of her past, moving on with like 50 more years of life, right? Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I have mixed feelings. I kind of, a, a part of me after finishing the book thinks I would have liked it to have been open for interpretation, only in the sense that I think there are some poems that she wrote that I feel like are so um, so damning of the circumstances, yeah. you know? Like they, yeah. they're, they're basically her expressing what she's done e- even before like the last bit of poetry that that he found that tate found um with like the all, all of the and all of the the symbolism early on with like the fireflies and everything like that uh that i think you could very well make the case that she did it um but i also i also would have been so i i don't know that i you know i don't know that i'm gonna make a statement that the book would have been better either way mm-hmm. but i do think i would have loved the book either way if they yeah. if if it would have been omitted and just left for me to think on and then maybe to do a full reread to see if I could capture any small thing. Um, I, I think I would have liked that. I wonder if, if um, that was ever a possibility in, in the, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to do some research on it and see if uh, Delia Owens has ever said anything about that. But um, I don't know. I just wanted to pose that question to y'all because that was something I could stop thinking about after I read yeah. it. Um, so, I had one as well, kind of on a similar path. Do you think, and it was one of the first things that I was thinking about afterwards was, do you think it is, it, it makes Chase's murder more justified that she was raised and survived in the wild and kind of learned from a different set of rules of how to, you know, like live, you know, nature works in a different way. It's a lot there, there's not as many laws it just you know as she explains throughout talking about you know the fireflies yeah praying mantises um it, it's a different it's a different world i would say yeah. just because the court happens in like a city and not like lord of the flies style wilderness i would say it's not any more justified but it's way more understandable right and I, for for the record, I do. I'm totally cool with what she did. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So so let me say this, Brett. Um. Because I I I understand where you're coming from, and I like what you're saying. Um. I I myself, hum, you know, real life human, uh, Parker in the 21st century, am a pacifist, right? I don't I don't believe in violence. I think that violence should always be a last resort. Um. And I definitely don't like murder right so that (laughs) i i think i I can say that and feel pretty confident about it in this case 
Um, I honestly rule this in in terms of self-defense, even though it was premeditated and she ki- she killed Chase Andrews, right? Like that's the thing. But there there was they did a really good job of expressing the fact that Kaya was living her life in a constant state of fear, right? From a manipulator, an abuser, a predator, a a, a full on predator, and it is in my opinion, a, a kind of what you're saying with like the, the, the nature thing, it was her outsmarting the predator and killing him before he could, um, do whatever he had planned with Kaya and within his like, you know, privileged sense of vengeance or whatever he thought he deserved with him, like chasing her up and down the beach and him, you know, trying to find her multiple times. Um, I, I, you know, there, there's no, it, it's not something that I'm going to lose sleep over in the slightest about, you know, if, if Kaya was justified in her actions, um, in, in that regard. So I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's, you know, like, I obviously don't think that violence is a good thing in this case, Chase Andrews should have died though. There, there was never going to be a proper way for him to find justice, right, right. um, and in in all likelihood, Kaya's life would have been ruined um, one way or the other if this action wasn't taken. So that's that's my two cents on on the uh, the conversation. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so I have an author's note um, for Delight Owens, but before we kind of close out discussion, any other thoughts about where the crowd had sing? Um, I wanted to give uh, a couple quick shout outs. One of them to um, just the fact that Kaya is such a badass that she was also, I, we, I mentioned it a few minutes ago, but she's also a published poet, um, which was, I just thought like a super cool twist at the end, You like you finding that out. Um, and then also randomly a character that uh, I gravitated towards was Scupper. Um, Tate's dad, all scupper. Um, Scupper's the best. Which he only made a few, a few appearances, but I feel like most of them were pretty impactful. All quality um, appearances. Yeah, high quality. Yeah, exactly. Highly efficient when he was when he was put in the spotlight. Uh, his- he was a rare example of uh, tenderness in 1950s masculinity. Right. You know, exactly. I don't think that existed on a wide scale. Um, and for him to teach Tate that it was okay to cry and to read poetry and to take care of women, it's just a, yeah. it's just a good thing. Um, my only closing thought, Dan, is that I just, I just love a marsh girl. You know, I love, I love a wild marsh girl who, um, just like the the way that Kaya was so romantic about uh birds and shells and leaves and the the whole biome of the marsh there was something so endearing and charming about her like this just like very raw love for earth and kind of like a pocahontas way or like a um uh you you know there it's just like the and i don't know it's it's almost like this idyllic thing that seems like so far off now because we're 
in, you know, suburbia, 21st century, you know, so disconnected from nature, but her just like love for nature and, and thirst for knowledge too. Like there's so many wonderful qualities of Kaya as a main character. Um, and I, I couldn't get enough of, of her as, as a lead. Um, my own, again, again, my only complaint is just give her a friend. Give her so just a give pal, her, a give buddy. Give her someone to talk to. Sunday, Sunday Justice. So Sunday Kaya. Justice. Oh man, that that was a highlight of the book too. Another in the same way that Scupper was a great tertiary character. Sunday Justice, the cat. Fantastic. What a, what a great name for a cat. What a, what a great name for a cat. Um, and uh, all, all, honestly, almost her biggest accomplice in in the murder because he gave her so much pathos or is it ethos am i looking for by walking up to her and sitting next to her in the courtroom and everyone was like oh my gosh sunday justice likes her and it was like that was the turning point for the jury i'm convinced um also here's a headcanon or maybe a fan fiction that i need um but i'd like to think along with being a published author because she was a great artist Kaya also wrote and was published in um, newspapers for she did a, she did a corner um, a cartoon corner that was Sunday Justice and the Marsh Girl and it oh was just a little little comic adventures of yes. of a cat and a marsh girl just doing whatever this is this is my headcanon good I'm glad that you have that Sunday Justice and the Marsh Girl I want I want to read an entire like huge comic book about it can we get a like prequel or sequel just showing the many court cases that Sunday Justice has been a part of. Oh, like, for sure. For sure. I want to see I want to see su- the adventures of Sunday Justice. Okay. That'd be great. Um author's note, if you guys are all done, if you have nothing else, call cool, 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 yes. cool. I surrender so, the floor to you, sir. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So on uh, Delia Owens's official website, she has it about an author page, which is where I'm pulling all of this information from. I read through it earlier today, and it's really cool. But I'm just going to highlight some things. So uh, you'll you'll probably hear some similarities between the author and Kaya here. So she grew up in uh, South Georgia in Thomasville, which is I didn't know that. That's very close to our old stomping grounds. Um, but her mom always wanted her outside. Um, and her mom would tell her to go outside where the crawdads sing. And so that's where the book title's uh, from and where the theme is. Oh, wow, comes that's so from. cool. Um, but she said her mother just loved the outdoors. They love nature. Um, nature kind of became her best friend through a very young age, which is a huge theme throughout, like, the entire book, obviously. So a lot of her own kind of heart and soul put into Kai as a character. Um, and so... This was her debut fictional novel, but she was known for these nonfiction kind of like nature research studies. And she lived in Africa for like a decade, basically researching lions and hyenas, specifically lions and hyenas. And this uh, it's called uh, Cry of Kalahari. And it's won a absolute ton of awards for... um, like nature research studies. And so definitely check that out if that's something that you're interested in. Um, and then she's done other works uh, focusing on elephants as well. Those are two big ones, but I let me actually find the name. It's listed in here somewhere, but I forgot to write it down. The work 
and research on elephants that she's done. It's just called Nature, Animal Behavior, Journal of Mammalogy, and Natural History. But a big theme of both of her nature books is she studies um, packs of females, especially with the lions and hyenas. And so she did like female studies of these hyenas and how male hyenas would interact with them, which was a big inspiration for kind of the female-male conflict and where the crawdads sing. And that makes a lot of sense. She, she said that's kind of where the inspiration has come from. So just a super cool person, really put yeah. you know her herself into her main character, which I love. And then obviously uh, her movie's coming out. Where the Crawdad Saints coming out in July, so check it out. Yeah, I can't. We'll definitely, we'll definitely do a. Uh, you know, once we watch the movie, we'll have thoughts on it at some point in the podcast. Um, I don't know if that'll be a full episode, but we can definitely do like a, a segment about it. For yeah, sure. absolutely. But yeah, that's all I have. I think that's all we've got for where the Crawdad Sing. So we will bookmark it there. Um, yeah, let's bookmark it there. Thank you again, listeners. Um, if you read along, uh, thank you for reading. Um, remember you can always send us in your thoughts. If you want them discussed on the podcast, you can send in your thoughts at, uh, bookends with friends at gmail.com. Um, we also have right now a link up, uh, on our Instagram that you can follow, um, to vote on the next six books that we will read for the remainder of the year. So we'll keep that open until the next time we record, which will be in early July. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Um, and we uh, it, we would love to hear your input. If you want us to, if you you know, if you're passionate about some books, let us know. If you want us to read completely different books, let us know. Um, but there's nine to choose from, so there will be a six winners, and we will um, announce that here in July. Perfect. That sounds great. Um, thank you to uh, Jacob Robinson for our wonderful music, and thank you to Maddie Moon for our wonderful art. And remember, the real books were the friends we made along the way. And that is just the Marsh. The Marsh is our friend. <laughs> the Marsh is our only friend. <laughs> <laughs>